0: What do you know about that, man?
1: <laughs> that was pretty fun. <laughs>
2: yeah, we'll just try that one more time. All right, I'm Chad Swiniger, host of the podcast, Lee McClellan, Coast. Hope everybody's enjoying the last bit of warm weather we're going to have probably till next year. It's great. 80, November, hopefully it goes away by this weekend. Right, Chad Yeah, I, I'm hoping that this uh,
1: weather that we had two or three weeks ago that gave us a really great set of cold days to bow hunt comes back and provides that same, same opportunity for our gun hunters.
2: That is our guest today, Chad Miles. Uh, Chad, you host Kentucky Field TV. You've been on the podcast with us plenty of times. You're probably more recognizable to me or or myself, so people probably know who you are. It's been a while, though, so I'm glad to be back in. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, I've been looking forward to it. I've been talking to Lee about this one for probably mm-hmm. a month now. Yep. Chad, I'm going to start us off on something that you probably didn't plan on talking about today, because right. <clears throat> I, I told you yesterday, deer hunting and small game and some fishing and stuff like that, the show, but then I, I was actually driving in this morning, and I was thinking, of all the things we've shot fairly recently, one thing I think has grabbed you more than anything else, and that is reloading, Oh yeah. Um, <clears throat> because it seems like, I mean, not the majority of, but I mean, one out of every 10 of our conversations we're having probably you know, over the past year or so has kind of been about bullet selection yeah. and about reloading and loads and sighting and rifles. And, you know, it seems like that's something that after we went and shot that reloading 101 segment that you started doing and you gained some interest in. And now it seems like you're pretty interested in it and there's some benefits and just things that isn't, aren't common knowledge, you know?
1: You know, it's really interesting for me. I, I really got into reloading because I had a one particular gun that mm-hmm. I couldn't find any ammo for it it was uh it's an odd caliber it's really not available anymore' so it's it's a, a 325 325 wSM I love the gun Elk gun it's my elk gun and uh I really w- didn't want to just sell the gun because I couldn't find any ammo so I looked for other alternate options and reloading became one of those because the projectiles were available mm-hmm. the powders were available I had the brass I don't really shoot it a ton so you know if you got 50 or 60 pieces of brass and you can reload them Mm -hmm. eight, 10, 12, 15 times, whatever, Mm as long as you inspect them each time. Mm -hmm. I thought, hey, I can have ammo forever for this rifle. Mm -hmm. So that got me into it. But you know, the interesting thing is, I think I really jumped into reloading because this is gonna sound weird to a lot of people. I bought my first um, rifle, high caliber rifle, right? Mm -hmm as a host of Kentucky Field. Uh-huh. I have been an archer, mm-hmm. and I really didn't Small do much Small game gun. hunter. Small game hunter, a deer, a deer hunter. I did a lot of archery hunting. I did have a slug gun that, uh, that uh, 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 you know, a shotgun that I had a slug barrel for. Mm-hmm. I did a little bit of hunting with that. I did a little bit of muzzler hunting, but I never was really a high, high, power, high, uh, high power rifle hunter. Yeah. When I mm-hmm. bought a rifle, I really wanted to be able to utilize it more than just two or three, four days in the field during modern firearms. Shoot for
2: more than just that one thing.
1: So I just, I I, you know, I really wanted to shoot guns and become accurate and learn more about the gun and tinker with them a little mm-hmm. bit. I'm a bolt-action a bolt action rifle guy. Same. I think about everything I have is bolt-action rifles. Yeah. You know, I was reading on Reloading and I read a couple of statements and I can't remember who said it, but they said the only interesting rifle is an accurate rifle. Mm-hmm. So how do you make a rifle more accurate when you buy it from the store or out of the box? You can do a couple of things, but one of the most, the most important thing is matching that gun to the right ammo. Mm-hmm. To the load it
2: likes. Yes. To the load
1: it likes. So I thought, you know what?
2: You got tw- twist rates and things that vary, different guns like different
1: things. Different powders. I mean, literally, if you ever pick up a reloading manual and, and no reloading manual has all of the combinations. We're talking millions Mm -hmm. and millions of combinations. Mm -hmm. When you talk about primers and powders and how much powder and seat length and overall length. I mean, it's just, there's millions of combinations. It literally is rocket science. Yeah, that's true, it is,
2: isn't
1: it? It is rocket science. So I kind of got into just tinkering with it and and I enjoy, I don't do a whole lot.
0: And and Um, you're not leaving any brass on the landscape because my brother's a big reloader and he's like, hey, keep your brass, keep your brass. So I'll bring in
1: 38s all the time. Honestly, that's that's the most expensive part of 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 a, of a round in most calibers. You know, some very common calibers brass is pretty easy to come upon, mm-hmm. and you can buy it relatively inexpensively. Three hundred eight BM one, but um, for a lot of for a lot of rifles, that, that's your most expensive part. So, yeah, I, <coughs> I enjoy I enjoy the I enjoy the reloading, and you know what? To find you uh, uh, to find consistent ammo every single t- day you want it. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. hard.
2: it's getting hard. Well, the one thing that you've talked to me about that I think is interesting is the idea of going light for caliber, these copper, full, full copper bullets, and shooting uh, basically a very hard projectile, very fast. Mm-hmm. And then also the lead, just in general. Most sportsmen know that there's some negative side effects of lead, mm-hmm. or there can be. So just copper being healthier, too, right? So the copper bullets... or or is something that you've been going towards that has struck me. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to start reloading in the future just so I can make that same jump. Mm -hmm. But can you explain a little bit the copper, the benefit of it? So I understand I'm a
1: fairly new reloader, but a lot of the research I've done, what you're starting to see is a lot of people are starting to shoot what they call light for caliber. Mm -hmm. So take, for example, the 270 Winchester.
2: You're going to talk about your kid's gun. Tell us about your kid's gun. So here's here's a good
1: example. The 270 Winchester Everyone want to tell you that caliber was built for 130 grain lead yeah. bullet. Typically, right.
2: what you find is 130 to 150 yeah. lead bullets, and 90% of everything that's been on the market has been 130s.
1: So mm-hmm. that's what the twist rate, that's what the powder capacity, that's what it tends to perform really, really, really well with. Well. Now what you're starting to see is that Barnes came out with a with a bullet years ago that was solid copper. It was called the X bullet, mm-hmm. all right? And the X bullet, some people really liked it. Some people had problems with them expanding. Mm-hmm. They hold almost 100% retention of, when they open up on impact, they hold almost 100% retention of their weight. Mm-hmm. People like that, but the the problem was is that what they were finding is that the bullet sometime wasn't open at all. Mm-hmm. It was literally just punching- Too solid. Pencil-style holes right through. That was a problem, right? Yep. So Barnes, did, and a lot of companies are developing them now, but Barnes worked on that. It took them a while. People tried them without a lot of love. I mean, it was mm-hmm. one of those things mm-hmm. where like, eh, I don't know about this, I, I, lost, I lost a deer and I, I feel like it was a good shot. Mm-hmm. And found deer that was hit right where they wanted, didn't have a good blood trail. Mm-hmm. Well, Barnes developed two or three more bullets since then that are, you can get a blue tip, which is a TTSX, and they got another uh, TSX. Mm-hmm. Now, Hornady makes them, mm-hmm. um, Nozzler makes them. Everyone's making these solid bullets. Well, what they're finding out is that they perform really, really well if they're pushed really fast.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, how do you push a bullet faster? Yeah. You lighten the weight of the bullet, right, mm-hmm. for the same caliber. And what you get is extreme terminal performance out of a, a copper bullet versus lead. Mm-hmm. Well, you also don't get the problems with contamination, mm-hmm. especially if you got young kids. Everybody's heard about the lead paint and the consumption of you know mm-hmm. lead paint and how bad that can be for a young person. Mm-hmm. So maybe you know in Kentucky it's legal to shoot. Uh, it's legal to shoot lead. I've heard no talks about making it not legal it's a choice that you can make but if you want a really really good hunting bullet consider shooting brass or excuse me copper and potentially light for caliber because man once you find the the, the right match for your gun
2: mm-hmm. they're pretty lethal So mm-hmm. talk about uh, a <clears throat> campbell's experience last year because you built a 270 and you built a load for your daughter and your yeah. son, I mean, both younger kids. I mean, yeah. and you, I, I mean, you just raved about it. You talked about it like it was the best thing you'd ever done. Well, like I said the, the rifles that are the only the interesting rifles
1: are the ones that are really accurate. Mm-hmm. I went under under this whole idea of buying a rifle. I've got kids that are growing. They're getting bigger every single year. They had shot a, uh, a 243 uh, that was a compact. It was a really accurate little gun. They mm-hmm. both killed their first deer with it. But I felt like it was kind of time to move them up because they were kind of getting to where the length of length of pull wasn't exactly right mm-hmm, for them. So yeah. I thought, okay, I'm going to buy a a full size adult gun, but I don't really want to buy another 243 mm-hmm. because one of these days they might want to hunt something a little bigger or they may want to you know mess around with. So I thought, look, what what are we going to do? So I ended up finding a gun. And I thought, okay, I'm a reloader. I have some options here. Let's try to reduce the recoil for them now as they're 11 and 15 years old. Mm-hmm. My daughter's, you know, she's five foot five. She's never going to be a, a, a real big bruising woman. So mm-hmm. I thought, how, how can I build this gun for less recoil? So what I did is I ended up going light for caliber. But you went with the 270. I went with the two, Winchester 270 is, is, is the caliber that I bought. Good size caliber. Good size mm-hmm. caliber, yeah. people elk hunt with them all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can put part to, oh, 200 and so, a Winchester 270 with 150 grain partition is probably one of the bullets that kills, you know, it's one of the more popular rounds for elk hunters. And deer, deer, elk, everything. And deer and moose, so I thought, you know, I'm gonna buy her a gun that she can move up with if she ever wants to do something more, but how can I keep this gun accurate, less recoil, and make it a really, really, really good deer gun. So I decided that I was gonna experiment with doing a few things. First off, I I, I dropped the grain of the bullet Mm -hmm. from 130 to 110. Less recoil there. Less recoil there. It also picked up the speed. Mm -hmm. Picking up the speed on a copper bullet is the way to go, right? Mm -hmm. So I started loading a particular copper, copper bullet and I added a different recoil pad on the back of it and uh, changed that out a little bit. Um, also bought a gun that that, uh, that came with a muzzle brake. Mm-hmm. That redu- reduced some of the recoil. So now she's got a gun that is a 270, shooting 110 grain bullet, faster than her 243 was shooting with equal to less recoil that she can grow into
2: and now take it all the way up to elk or moose hunt with if yeah. she ever decides she wants and to. And that's it. thanks to reloading, really, opening up that low recoil door for you and the fast for, flight for caliber, and then she can go the other way if she wants. Later on, she could go with a a bullet made for an elk if she mm-hmm. wanted to. She could, she could. Yeah. And the, the, the great thing about this, the crazy thing about this gun
1: is I have the same manufacturer gun, literally the exact same gun without a muzzle brake, um, and I shoot it in a 270 Winchester with 130 grain lead bullets. Mm-hmm. That's my deer gun. What I found out when I got to shooting her gun and sighting it in and letting her shoot it is that I'm a little jealous. Her gun's more accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just take it. You bought it,
2: Chad. Mm-hmm. it. Out. You bought that. Her,
1: the gun that my daughter and my son are both shooting now is actually a better deer gun than the than the deer gun that I that i personally own and I'm shooting based on some changes that were made just to get less recall. Hey. But what I got is less recall, more speed, more accuracy. Yeah, so, so uh, you know, it, it, it's been a great experience for me. It's been eye opening. And I'll tell you this, if if I were to go out west right now on a pronghorn hunt, yeah. I'd borrow my kid's gun. yeah, mm-hmm. Because it is, it's about the right weight bullet and it's shooting 3,400 feet a second, flat as can be. Mm-hmm. My daughter was able to take a deer with it last year, um, right after Christmas, you know, that two day. Oh, yeah, youth weekend. Mm -hmm. It's not youth weekend. It's It's free youth. Free. free Took her out there for that. She was able to take a deer at 200 yards. Yeah. Pulled the trigger. Deer went straight down. First time we'd ever shot at any game. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this
2: is, uh, th- th- we're on to something here. This okay. is working. So you took a factory gun, you gave, you put some love, not into the gun necessarily, but into the ammunition, the, the the loads you're sending through it, and you got a better product. Absolutely. And I mean, you kind of enjoy it too, right? You kind of enjoy tinkering
1: around. Hey, listen, if if you, if you have a reason to go to the range, mm-hmm. and you ha- you're trying to accomplish something, and you're seeing results that are positive or negative either way, and you know that you can, whatever you develop with your load, that you can go home and replicate it over and over and over and over again and become more accurate. Mm-hmm. That's a fun day. Yeah. Who doesn't like to
2: go to the range and, and shoot knowing that, you, that uh, <clears throat> you're that you developing a more accurate hunting rifle? You've talked me into it. So after I shoot, the, what ammo I have for my three hundred eight right now, I mean, I've already been saving my brass, and going into next year's deer season, I'm going to be doing the same thing Chad is. Now, I might not be going light for caliber because my twist rate on my barrel Mm -hmm. is actually one that favors a higher heavier bullet yeah heavier bullet so i'm not sure i'm going to be able to do that but i am going to experiment and i am going to be Producing my own ammo. And the
1: interesting thing, when, when you hear people say that your gun prefers, your twist rate prefers a heavier bullet, it's actually not heavier. You know what it is? What is it? It's longer. longer. That makes it's sense. Longer. It's longer. The twist rates, or some twist rates, are better for a longer projectile. Some twist rates are better for a shorter projectile. So it's not that your gun prefers the heavier, it just prefer, prefers a longer projectile.
2: Mm. So that's probably what what you're dealing with. But hey, it still doesn't mean you can't tinker with it. A little yeah. bit I'm interested in seeing what we can get out of it. And you know, I mean, accuracy is a great thing. Accurate rifles are interesting rifles, but I mean, the terminal ballistics are also extremely important. So there's a little bit of a trade-off there. Like, do I need a gun that shoots a quarter inch versus a, a third of an inch, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or yeah. would it be better to go with the one that shoots a third of an inch groups and has better terminal ballistics, you know? You know,
1: this is an interesting point because deer season is, is, is upon us. And Two I days. can tell you that, um, we have some friends that have tracking dogs and, you know, one of the first questions they ask when, when they're out hunting is, okay, where was it standing? What were you shooting? What type of bullet? They ask all this information there's a reason. I will tell you that the, the that the ammo shortage, which I think we're getting on the, the right side of the ammo shortage. Now mm-hmm. you walk into stores, you're starting mm-hmm. to see more and more and more mm-hmm. ammo than it was two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. But how many people out there go to the store, walk in, buy what's available, and have not matched the right
2: kind of ammo to their application. Or even shot it through the... I mean, they might have sighted in with a different round. Yeah. And then be going to the store, Mm -hmm. oh, this is all they have, so that's what I'm hunting with.
1: I can't tell you how many times I see people that end up shooting a match-grade ammo... Don't do it. ...that is not made to hunt with (laughs) Mm -hmm. for hunting because that's what they could find. Well, let me tell you what. You're going to be punching small holes without that thing expanding. You're looking at a bullet that was built with a high ballistic coefficient, which means they want it to travel with as little wind resistance and little drop as they possibly can, not for expanding and opening and 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 leaving a devastating wound channel. Mm-hmm. Right, that is a good way to shoot an animal and lose it. So before you go deer hunting, before you buy that pack, that that uh, that that box of ammo make sure you look at it and make sure that it, what it's built for. Some ammo is built for big game animals. Some are built Mm -hmm. for varmints or, you know, smaller thin skinned animals. Mm -hmm. Some are built for targets. Mm -hmm. And if you're using a target ammo on a big, big game uh, style
2: animal, you, you may be putting yourself in a, very frustrating situation. Most of the boxes of ammo now um, will show you the projectile, you know, like they'll put the bullet on the box. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they put the mushroom, mushroom version of it Mm -hmm. on the box too, Mm -hmm. to show you what it looks like after it hits. If you find a box of bullets that has that mushroomed out image on it, chances are they're good hunting bullets, you know, or if Mm -hmm. they've got a deer on the front or something like that. And most of like the Sierra Match King Mm -hmm. and Sierra Game King, you Mm -hmm. know, they're very similar boxes. One of them's got a target on it, one of them's got an elk on it, you know, so. But pay attention, you want that big mushrooming round. And we can also point to one of Lee's publications now, The Hunting Guide. Mm -hmm. It is actually illegal to use something that isn't made to expand. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Now you get polymer tips, you get hollow points, you get um, soft tips. There's a bunch of things that are made to expand. So you can't necessarily just look at a bullet and say, okay, that's good. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, match bullets you shouldn't use for hunting.
0: You know, one of the things about copper, too, to bring out is safety. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw a great presentation at the Grand Canyon at a conference talking about, believe it or not, California condors Mm -hmm. and getting hunters to switch to copper bullets. And when they did, condor birth rates went up dramatically because they were ingesting so much lead in the deer pile, in the gut piles and things like that from people using conventional lead
1: bullets. Well, and and what you see, too, is... um like I said, I, I'm I'm not here to badmouth lead by any stretch. It's legal here in Kentucky, and and they may, and it's worked for a long. Time. Cup and core bullets have lasted, and they they are great rounds. But what you see in the in the solid copper bullets is that you normally don't find your projectile they mushroom out and they go straight through. They stay together, solid, mm-hmm. they hold that energy, and they usually punch straight through and they're in the ground somewhere behind it. Know your backstop.
0: Know yeah. your backstop, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs>
1: exactly right. They, they punch, they punch, they punch through, which, you know, if you're a varmint hunter, it's not what you want, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm you want a bullet that literally disintegrates and goes in mm-hmm. and disintegrates because I don't know about you, Lee, but I don't eat my varmints. So no. I don't care if they got a little bit of lead. Most of them are, you want it to put it down really fast. And if you want to tan the hide, you don't want a big exit hole, right? Mm-hmm. You get Then varmint loads are a whole different, whole different uh,
2: selection of, of projectiles that will work for that application. Yeah, rapid expansion versus slow. Uh, Lee, I'm going to get you... Five second break from the podcast. Can you flip your microphone around? I think. Oh, it, whoop. yeah, I think it might have fallen. it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah. upside down. That's probably for the benefit of our listeners. <laughs> oh, I think that it uh, is still working. I was checking there, so we'll do that. So, Chad, you've punched your buck tag. Mm-hmm. This weekend's modern firearm season, right? Mm-hmm. You're gonna get uh, the kids out there and put that gun to use. That is the plan. I've hey, got. Yeah. I've got.
1: Uh, it'll probably be one one on one day, and and my my son on one day, and my daughter on the other. Um, they. They've got some basketball games and some sports uh, to attend to, but yes, we're going to try to get them out there this weekend.
2: That uh, I mean, hopefully it's a good weekend for it. Now, both of your kids have taken deer before. Since you're tagged out, I mean, is that kind of what you're looking forward to during the modern firearm season is getting out there and just hunting with them? You know, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Now, we, we like to put several deer in the freezer at home, and right
1: now we, uh, we donated one, and I was able to take two. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've got two and I'd like to add two or three more to that by the end. At this point in time, I'm kind of, I'm I'm a rabbit hunter, I'm a smallmouth fisherman. This is my Mm -hmm. favorite time of year. I'm Mm -hmm. literally sitting here antsy thinking, man, when is it gonna get a little colder so I can do all these activities I love? Yeah. Um, I wanna get, I would love, a perfect scenario for me would be over the next two or three days, the weather gets colder, my son takes a deer, my daughter takes a deer, or one of them take two deer, and I get to go out and experience that with them. I'm thinking about taking my coyote gun out. We've been Mm -hmm. seeing a lot of coyotes, unfortunately, at the piece of property that uh, we're hunting. I'm going to go out and sit beside them. Hopefully, they take a deer apiece, and I'm going to do all my processing in one long day of two Mm -hmm. or three deer, Mm -hmm. fill the freezer, Mm -hmm. and I'm ready
2: to move on to some rabbit hunting and some smallmouth fishing. So when you got that buck, actually, you know what? Let's back up. What was it? What was that Monday? Monday, October the 30th. Um, you and I both hunted that day because yep. we were watching mm-hmm. that weather. Do you remember that, that time of period, mm-hmm. Lee? That was when it went from being 75 out. Mm. Too cold. To that Monday, it dropped off and we were looking at lows in the high 20s for mm-hmm. the next three days. Yeah. And Chad and I had both been talking <clears throat> leading up. I mean, the week before. Man, next Monday, Next, next Monday. Beyond, yeah. Now we actually purposefully held off on we hunting. Talked about or,
0: that on the podcast as well.
2: Well, we held off on hunting a few days that we could have the week before, just trying to save some time, you know, and and yeah. use our use our time mo, the mo, you know wisely. Looking at that next Monday, and, and we then we
1: were seeing deer like five ten minutes before dark, mm-hmm.
2: and it was lots of
1: deer, and they were wanting to move. Just the temperature wasn't right, yeah. and we were like, at, "We're seeing deer cruising." We're seeing, we're starting to see some rubs and some scrapes here and there. We're seeing does, them bucks. You start seeing all the things you want to see, but you're seeing them either at night or five or ten minutes before dark. So we're like, wait, wait a minute. We get some overcast skies and we get some cooler temperatures. We're going to start seeing this activity for
2: hours in the daylight instead of minutes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that happened. That's exactly what happened. I know. I, I know five people, between including yourself and I, that tagged out that Monday night, and it was 100% the weather. You know, 100% that got them up on their feet. Um, your buck hunt is actually airing on this weekend show. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. we should have known that show. So,
1: <laughs> you know, I think I, we do reps every week, and I get them all kind of confused on what's what's coming up next. Yeah. But that's an interesting story because yeah. uh, the buck that I that I ended up taking with my archery equipment, um, well, that was a fun hunt. I had spent quite a few days in the stand, had seen quite a few deer, mm-hmm. had actually seen
2: a really big deer. Yeah, we don't have that one on camera, unfortunately. We don't
1: have it on camera. Um, a lot of, what a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of things happen outside of what can be shown to you in 28 minutes and 30 mm-hmm. seconds on the Kentucky Field yep. TV show. And yeah. we make things in six and eight
2: minute segments, but we had uh, seen a, a really, really nice deer the story on that, I'm gonna tell it real quick. You yeah. can correct me if I'm wrong, but you were hunting with one of our producers here, Jameson, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was dark. You got the camera couldn't see anymore. It's too dark to take a good shot. You had lowered your bow to the ground mm-hmm. and then boom.
1: So yeah, it was we, we if I would have had the bow at full draw when it walked in, it was already too dark to video this hunt. The interesting mm-hmm. thing is is that I have a pretty nice set of Vortex binoculars. And I could put the binoculars up and the and the deer was in range. It was with another buck and it was only like 30 yards away. Mm-hmm. And I've got the binoculars out and I'm looking at this buck, it just complete in awe. I'm yeah. thinking, oh my gosh, this is 170, 180 inch buck. It's giant. And uh, my camera guy is sitting up there and he's looking at the deer and I'm like, see those two deer? Those are monsters. And I hand him the binoculars and he's like, oh my gosh, these are huge. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm I'm studying this, this deer's rack. I had not seen that deer before. And I'm I'm already dreaming of my next encounter with this buck. It's right under my deer stand. right? right? Yeah. The next week he got killed on the farm next week. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> <out. Yeah. laughs> I mean, we're out there hunting real farms, just like everybody else. I mean, we... We have other people that we can see from our deer stands hunting. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. It's not like we're on we're, some...
1: We're not hunting some closed um, fence. Nobody can get in, yeah. no access. We're, we're hunting regular... Not, you're not hunting a three-acre enclosure. <laughs> no, no. So we're out there, and I, 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 I was very happy for the hunter. Um, very happy for the hunter to be able to take such a for such a nice deer. I gear. mean, it was a
2: 180-inch deer. Like
1: yeah. I mean, it was a monster. It was a giant deer. But at that point in time... Kind of, you know, the target deer that we've been after, we knew was now off the landscape. Not to say there's not hundred another 180 inch deer out there. For me, it was that coupled up with the fact that gun season was coming in and I'm an archer and I prefer to take them with a bow if I can. Mm-hmm. And there's other activities I love to do. I mean, I've got five beagles that uh, I, I want to train and get, you know, be out there training them and get them mm-hmm. on the ground. The time was just right. It was perfect. The weather was good. Rattled a couple times. We get this buck show up. Not a giant buck. Good it, buck.
2: It's a good buck. It's Not a buck that a lot of people go. Oh yeah, that buck would ca- could take That's two more years. You know it's funny? Ninety five percent of people would be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but I mean, you, but you know, there. Do you feel a pressure being a TV show host? Like, because you know what? Some TV shows. I mean, all day shows. Yeah, hundred eighty right. inch bucks. Do you ever feel anything as a host of a TV show about that? You know... I like that you're realistic. I like that you're a, re- a man, regular person. I am
1: a regular, everyday deer hunter, to be totally honest with you. I that resonates
2: with
0: people over the 180-inch dude all the time. I, personally, hunting, I you know? personally
2: like how we do it more, mm-hmm. but I was just curious if you personally ever, like, you know... Because, I mean... If you ever felt there, like- There is a little more
1: pressure to, to take a, uh, there's a little more pressure to, if, if we get a good show, like if we're seeing deer and we're do, we're doing techniques that uh, lure a deer in in some form or fashion being right, vocally right. or whatever we're doing, we make a strategic move to get up close to a deer and we've got a good storyline, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's time to take the deer. Yeah. Okay. And, and that was the situation, you know, that's a situation a lot of times we hunt much differently for the TV show. This is kind of behind the scenes, Kentucky Field. This
2: is kind of what I wanted to talk about right Yeah.
1: Here. The, behind, the, behind the scenes for Kentucky Field, we, we try to showcase what everyone else is experiencing mm-hmm. out there on their deer hunts, right? Mm-hmm. But the simple fact is, is that I've been deer hunting for, oh my gosh, probably, oh man, 35 years out of a tree stand, mm-hmm. bow hunting, maybe longer. Um, my last seven or eight years being on Kentucky Field being videoed on a deer hunt, the hunts are different, yeah, they have to be. They're a hundred percent different. What you see on camera is is sometimes zoomed in, it's not a hundred percent what I'm seeing. I may say something on there that when I get in and look at the footage, I'm like, Well, that wasn't exactly right, Mm -hmm. but you got you got the uh, you know, you got 20x zoom when you got to see it Mm -hmm. and then slowed down or Mm -hmm. a different Mm -hmm. angle, so it's a little different, but. The big difference for me is that when we pick a farm that we think we're going to go hunt, and we've hunted several different counties on, on camera. I know we've hunted Jefferson, Shelby, Oldham, Spencer, Spencer Henry, Anderson, Henry. As w- we go, and we go out and we cover these counties. We we try to find a spot a month before the season comes in, and we put up a form of a lock-on stand with a ladder with two stands on it, one's for the camera guy, one's for myself.
2: We gotta have trees that work for that. We
1: gotta have a tree that works for that situation. We'll cut a couple limbs to make sure that the camera angle's not being obstructed the best we can. And pretty much, we might put two of those sets on a farm, possibly three if it's a really big farm. That's where we're gonna hunt the rest of the year. There's Mm -hmm. not gonna be any halfway through, we're gonna come move move it and move closer because the deer are moving Mm -hmm. out of range. Well, I don't think I ever hunted out of a, I hunted out of a a lock on stand before. I don't think I ever hunted out of a ladder stand in my entire life up until the time we started this show. It was 100% throw the stand on your back, go in, find a spot, hunt it a couple times. If you said, wait a minute, I'm seeing the deer over there. You figure out how you can move and keep your wind away from them without spooking them. You get a little closer, you move, you get a little closer, you get into range, you take your deer. (laughs) Totally different now. Yeah, we we don't do a whole lot of, uh, we do some, but we don't do a whole lot of.
2: Both of you have a, a, a climbing stand on your back. Go in, pick two trees, mm. and head up them. It's just not something that's tough, especially you know, you're working with other people. You got you got twice as many people to worry about with movement, with scent, with everything, and and I mean. <clears throat> You know, you'd probably been hunting for quite a while and had a lot of experience when you were picking out those trees and knowing exactly how to move and what to do. And it's just exponentially harder with double the people up there. It's more than double the tough. And flying by the seat of
0: your pants, what, you know
2: oh, so we pick this
0: tree, you know, it could be an ash tree, crunch, you know, I mean,
1: <laughs> or... <laughs> well, things happen too. You're going out and picking trees. And a lot of times if we get to hunt the same farm year after year, we get the benefit of seeing what it's going to look like when the leaves come off the trees. Mm-hmm. But you may get up there in that tree and you pick a tree and you climb up it and you get up in it, and you're like, oh yeah, we got great coverage. We've clipped a couple of limbs and we, we can video mm-hmm. from here. I got great shooting lanes. And then the leaves fall off the tree and you're like, man, I am a, I am backlit. I'm sore mm-hmm. th- Oh, I'm sticking out here. We mm-hmm. got to, this, this this stand's done for the year. We need to move this. Yeah. We get to go out and kind of see what it looks like this time of year mm-hmm. when leaves are coming off the trees and kind of make plans. The stand, my favorite stand on the farm that I'm hunting right now, I hunted all of last year up until buck's deer season, kept seeing deer, and we moved the stand up there. That's like the farm. one time we've done that. Yeah, it's the mm-hmm. one time we have made a move. Now it's my favorite stand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it only works if we have, it only works if we have a wind blowing directly out of the south, blowing north, mm-hmm. headed north. It only works in that situation. So, which well, you get a lot of those days in Kentucky, especially mm-hmm. when the weather's warm, but, uh, it, it, it's my favorite stand now. And it's a stand that we moved and made a modification midway through the year. We just don't get a chance to do that very much. No, I'm trying was- to do a setup like that cold
0: with a crew that puts a lot of pressure on you, too, you know? Oh, yeah. If you choose wrong and Chase is, Chase is with you, and maybe you have two two guys with you that day, and you choose wrong, then you've wasted your time, you've wasted the department's money, because yeah. uh, you're going to come home with nothing. Yeah. You, know, it's, you can't leave too much to chance. I
2: think we do a pretty good job with our... Well, I'm, we're pretty efficient with our deer hunts. One mm-hmm. reason for that being that Chad's willing to shoot deer. Yeah. Um, you know, we we put those down, yeah. and that is, and we put that messaging out there because people need to practice yeah. what does. you preach. I'll tell yeah. you one thing. That's one thing when I say my my deer hunting is much different now than it was
1: before. Um, before I was host at Kentucky Field, that part's not different. I've mm-hmm. always been a person that like was, was open and willing on day one to go out there and take a doe when I get a good opportunity, a good chance. Now I let a lot of deer pass. Mm-hmm. That's another thing too, we get out there in the woods and we see two or three deer, we see a buck, we have a good storyline. I'm much more willing to shoot a doe than walk out in the woods and I saw one deer that day and it happened to get in range. I'll probably were gonna let it pass because uh, it's not real interesting to watch a segment on Kentucky Field where you see <laughs> one deer mm-hmm that you see it for 30 seconds and, oh, I draw back and take a shot at it. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, okay, not real interesting segment, right? Mm-hmm. So we try to make it interesting TV. There could be storylines that uh, that most of them set themselves up. Yeah. We don't normally sit down and whiteboard mm-hmm. what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. It's actual true hunting situations that present themselves that we just tell you the
2: story of why we're doing what we're doing. And yeah. that's, that's what I love about the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. So it sounds like to me, Chad, that before you were the host, you hunted pretty similar to how I like to hunt. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that, that Monday you took that buck that people can see on this weekend show. I took my buck. I think it was probably 20 minutes after you. Cause I remember getting the text from you. You guys sent the text. I was in the stand. I was hanging from my, <laughs> my rope, my tree saddle there. And then it, I, I wasn't super responsive to you guys in the stand. I saw the text, but I didn't really respond because I it was that time of night. You know yeah, what I mean? Oh, yeah. And I was sitting there hanging. And uh, I had never been up that tree before in my life. I'd never even thought about it. But as I was walking in that day, I was just walking in with a plan based on the wind direction and where I thought that buck was probably bedded at. Mm-hmm. And so I just went in there and climbed up a tree and saddle hunted and Right at dark, that buck came out. Same situation as you. Rattled, and then about five minutes later, here, he, here he came, and he rounded the edge of those woods and started marching towards me. And he was just a big old buck. Your buck, I mean, as far as the inches go, is going to be much bigger. My, my deer was only a seven pointer, and honestly, he didn't have a whole lot of antler. But you've had a lot of history with that deer. Yeah, you've had, you've been watching that deer for five years. Yeah. So is I, that the eight and a half year old? I think he's at least eight and a half, in my opinion. I'm gonna have him aged, I've kept his jawbone, but. What's left um, of it? Yeah, well, well, no, he was actually in good shape. So, got his teeth? full teeth? disclosure, Coyote's got back right leg. Oh no, I'm <laughs> talking about what's left of his teeth. No, no, yeah, what's left of it? I thought you meant, like Coyote's
1: passed no, on his no, lower no, jaw. No, no, <laughs> no, no, I, I was talking about the teeth. I, was, yeah. I mean, cause when the, the age of deer, based on how much teeth is left, right? Yeah. They wear yeah. them down. down, so when you say, hey, I got his jog bone, I'm gonna have someone look at it. I mean, an old, old, old deer, you're gonna be looking at some of the teeth and you think, man. Yeah. Those things are ground down to, to next to nothing. should be. But yeah, I mean,
2: I passed this deer in 2019. So four years ago. It was actually four years and five days. It was October 25th, 2019. So I passed him then and he was a much bigger deer. Mm-hmm. Still just a seven pointer, but he was a, a... So I'm saying he was probably four and a half, five and a half then. So I'm putting him at eight and a half, nine and a half now. That's just my guess. But that's why I took the deer. He sure looked old too. Picture it. Yeah. I mean, he looked like a he had. Deer. And when I skinned him out, when I cleaned him, he had a layer of fat on him. That I, I mean, it, you know how most deer have fat along the back strap and some mm-hmm. fat around? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it was like I couldn't see anything besides white on this deer <laughs> when I peeled the skin off because he had fat on the belly and on the stomach. So, but, um, so it sounds like before you became host, that's kind of how you hunted. But, you know, when you're host and you got these other people going up in trees with you, like if I would have had somebody else climbing a tree with me that day, never could have done that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it, it
1: is definitely different. I mean, if you've ever hunted with, uh, you know, take a, take a kid hunting. I mean, I'm not trying to say that our, our camera guys are like kids with moving around, but you take a kid with you, you got that that kid, you you know, you, you don't know how they prepared scent wise. You don't know, you know, they're they're going to be a little bit loud. And they're going to have different needs like all humans do. Sometimes you got to, sometimes you got to go to the bathroom. Sometimes mm-hmm. you got to, you know, you got to cramp in your leg. You got to move. Mm-hmm. You just double that. When you take a camera guy out there, out mm-hmm. there with you, and uh, you're trying to do all this moving, especially for an archery hunt where you're really trying to get close, mm. um, it it's it's it is definitely a little more different.
2: What about a small guy? So deer hunting, obviously, much different on camera or with camera with you. What about small game hunting? Do you think the small game hunting is? Because to me, as a, as a producer. Like, I can see how, as a video guy, I could change a deer hunt and how the setup is and how it unfolds and how we have to plan. But on a small game hunt, I almost feel like the producers are less of a, like less of an impact. Much less. Now, we try to take multiple
1: producers in the field on like a rabbit hunt. Two at least, yeah. At least two. And the reason being is that um, on a deer hunt, when I'm sitting up there in the stand and I see a deer come in and I'm kind of saying hey you know here here comes the doe it's 30 yards it's getting closer it's going to get in range i know that that video producer is watching that deer and he knows where it's going to be and they're videoing it. and we just got to make sure okay are you ready am i ready there's a very little bit of communication back and forth you hear it when you watch the show quite often
2: mm-hmm. you're on it
1: and you are you on it it's usually what i say are you on it yep okay the shot takes place when a rabbit comes rolling by mm-hmm. You, we hunt with dogs almost always. Yeah. So the dogs are barking. We know there's a rabbit moving. We, a lot of times, are using GPS tracking devices. We know that the, that the dog has turned the rabbit and it's on its way back. Get ready. But there's not time for me to go, are you on it? Yeah. You may hear something, mm-hmm. there he goes, right before a gunshot. Um, so you really don't have the time to be... Um, to 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 have to have that communication. so yeah, much much less invasive when on a, on a small game hunt.
2: I'll be honest with you. so I didn't really do a whole lot of small game hunt like just maybe here or there before I started filming for the show. but when I started filming it made me want a small game hunt because yeah. honestly as a video producer on a small game hunt, you feel like you're hunting oh, yeah. because you're trying to get in positions to get the shot you oh, know yeah. and you're trying to get in front of the rabbit. you're you're essentially trying to get the shot on every rabbit. And instead of a, it being with a shotgun, you're just using a cannon, a oh, camera. Oh, yeah. But you're reading those dogs. You're trying to figure out mm-hmm. where are these rabbits going to cross at. Mm-hmm. Where can I get a shooting lane at? You're trying to put yourself in position. It feels like you're hunting when you're filming a rabbit hunt. And that's and why you I like can be rabbit.
1: successful even when the hunter's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Because let me tell you what, it's great footage when when you when a rabbit
1: that. comes rolling through and it kind of comes on, th- comes right through by even if the hunter doesn't see it or the hunter misses, and then you see the dogs come right back through. They may not have got it, but you did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so y- for you, it's like, oh yeah, I, I kind of get to hunt and even when you guys aren't real good with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. I, I
2: can be really good with the camera. I'll tell you, yeah. there's a there's a rabbit hunt that is being edited right now. We actually filmed it last year um, and we haven't aired it yet, but there's a shot in there where it's you and it's Pat Ivy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who's on this rabbit hunt. And this rabbit comes out and it had just rained like the day before we did this hunt. So the ground was still kind of wet. And this rabbit came across this road, and you and Pat both shot. And when you shot, you could see the the soft ground from the the rain the day before. It looked like a it looked like a scene out of a war movie. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, it looked like you know ground exploding. But you guys didn't get that rabbit, right? Oh yeah. But that's still probably my favorite shot oh, in the yeah. whole thing because it, you can see the action. I mean, catching a rabbit on camera—that's
0: probably a tremendous challenge when the they have a
2: lot of rabbits yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not
0: easy you stay wide and you because you i mean I've, I've messed up you know i've done quite a bit of rabbit hunting in my life and psh, sometimes you're just all of a sudden boom there they are yeah and i mean you're discombobulated and by the time you get on it they're gone yeah. oh
1: yeah and rabbits can come in sometimes I mean, you can anywhere. hear them but sometimes they're quiet as they can be and you mm-hmm. you, you look and you know you, your mind's got to see it Know what it is because you know it could be a squirrel, it could be a dog, it could be whatever. So you're always very cognizant to say, Okay, I didn't expect it to come from that way. And then you got to realize, Where are all my hunters and my Mm cameramen? You got to, two or three or four things have to go through your mind before that trigger is pulled every single time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Jameson probably wouldn't like you shooting. (laughs)
2: Well, luckily it's never happened, but I will say that that's kind of part of that. Like when I was talking a second ago about how when you're filming it, it feels like you're hunting because you're looking for the shooting lanes Mm -hmm. and you're trying to position yourself in the right Mm -hmm. spot. That kind of goes into what Chad was saying because if you put yourself in the right spot and you kind of have a plan when the rabbit's on its way back, you kind of have an idea for what might happen. You're less likely to need to take one of those random shots, you know, one of those quick ones. And so I I don't know. I, I kind of think half the game of rabbit hunting is getting in position Mm -hmm. and kind of anticipating what that rabbit's Mm -hmm. gonna do, you know what I mean? And then that's half the game for rabbit hunting Mm -hmm. if you're someone like me, but if you're someone like Chad who has dogs that he's Mm -hmm. training and working, that's probably much more than, than so half we, the game. We can have
0: dogs. Oh. My rabbit hunting's been done. With, you're the dog.
2: It's fun. <laughs> you know? It's fun. It rabbit hunting ah. dogs is a lot of fun. Yeah, I'll tell is. you what. But,
0: but it's not yeah. impossible if you don't have one. You yeah. know, no. Just, no. Oh, yeah. you, you, no. your partner has to be a dog and you're a dog yeah. and you, oh, know, yeah. you kind of flush them and they go, good and then you flip
2: it. You know, that's
1: definitely, uh, that's definitely, uh, the, I have done some rabbit hunting without dogs and and you uh, it, it, it is fun. It's a good way to get out and about. And, mm. you know, good a lot of times the rabbit hunt, you know, during rabbit season, It kind of overlaps a little bit with deer season, but you know, you're checking out scrapes and you're, you're planning your next year's deer Mm -hmm. hunts. And later in the year, you, you know, you could be picking up sheds. Mm -hmm. Rabbit season goes all the way into February. So there's so much just exploring the landscape, seeing what type of fruit bearing trees might be out there. You can plan a whole lot of uh, other outdoor activities on a rabbit hunt because... You're not being quiet until the dogs are on a run and you're not trying to spook a, Mm -hmm. you know, if you want to take a hike and run through the biggest, thickest, nastiest bush and find out where the deer are bedding, Mm -hmm. that's part of it too. You might jump a rabbit. You might jump a rabbit. So I, 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 I I enjoy it. I'll never forget. I can't remember maybe in Gary Garth, they came and interviewed me when I first accepted the job Mm -hmm. and, uh, there was a deer or two, um, in my office and he was asking me, oh yeah, so you're a big deer hunter. And I said, yeah, I, I like to uh, I'm an archer and I love archery. And he said, "So, what's your favorite?" And rabbit hunting, rabbit hunting for me is something that's been a family thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, we go to the
0: Friday after Thanksgiving for years.
1: Fa- you know, that type of that time of year for rabbit hunting for me. Yes, I was a deer hunter, but deer hunting for me was always a solitary mm-hmm. thing. You know, you put a stand, you put a plan, you go. Other than deer camp or whatever, you go out and you find you a spot and you archery hunt from that tree by yourself rabbit hunting is completely totally different it is you really want three or four hunters and Mm -hmm. several dogs to put together a really good rabbit hunt you can do it otherwise but that's kind of what you like and uh, when when i think it was gary garth came in interviewed me and said so what's your favorite and when i told him rabbit hunting he kind of looked at me like huh like uh i I wasn't i I was thinking it was going to be you know Deer hunting, turkey hunting, traveling out west, elk hunting, Mm -hmm. whatever. No, it's rabbit hunting. And because it's the interaction with you and the dogs and your friends, that really makes rabbit hunting. And you're not being quiet. You're on the move. Mm -hmm. You tend not to get as cold because you're moving. Mm -hmm. I still to this day, um, eight years into this job, I still to this day, Mm -hmm. rabbit hunting is one of my favorites.
2: I tell you what, you'd probably like if you were thinking of a buddy to invite deer hunting, right? Yeah. Probably wouldn't be the guy that was the best talker. <laughs> if you were inviting a buddy to go rabbit hunting, you'd probably be like, "Well, the guy I can have a conversation with." Let's, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a different. And Lee, you and I ought to rabbit hunt together. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: gonna be where the damn deer stand on. <laughs>
2: Just, I'm just teasing you. Yeah, that's true. The way I would have, I would have jumped on that invite if I was you. I'd have been like, "Yeah, I'm free yeah. next next Monday." Hey, mm-hmm. you will
1: wrap it on next Monday. Mm-hmm. I'll take you. I'd yeah. love, to, I'd love to go out. And you're from an area of the of the of the state that I really liked uh, rabbit hunting around. Mm -hmm. You're kind of a Barstown guy. Yeah, I mean, it was Barstown, Nelson County. Rabbit hunting was popular. Oh, yeah, and a lot of of good rabbit hunting in that area. Mm -hmm. All the way down into the Green River area, all that is some really, really good rabbit hunting. We should rabbit hunt with Lee. I would love to take Lee out Mm -hmm. rabbit hunting. I think that'd be fun. Lee
2: does more than just fish. Mm -hmm. Oh I love rabbit hunting. You're more than a kayak fisherman, aren't you, Lee? Mm -hmm. You you can pull a trigger. Yep. I've got a perfect uh, gun now good good
0: sling i can carry a long ways oh, what like what do you like to shoot on for your rabbits because well, for, a... for years all i have was a 20 gauge yeah. so that's what i carry
1: yeah
0: uh now i've got a better 12 gauge at, okay uh, dave sold me at a great price and okay. uh and another thing that i did and, and is i did the shims and i made that stock match me okay you know a lot of people don't do that yeah. and they give you that shim kit in these semi-autos anymore that mm-hmm. are synthetic mm-hmm. use it um the guy who sold it to me, I, I shot high, I shot high, I don't like this gun, I shot high. Well, I put in the shim to, to correct that. It's, you know, yeah. my buddy who's a better shot than me is getting mad when we go dove hunting because I'm keeping up if not whipping it <laughs> with that gun. Because yeah. I did the shims yeah. and made it where the beads all you see, you, yeah. you see a little bit of the rib and the and the bead, yeah. you know, if you see no bead or
2: you see it's going uphill, then you need, need to yeah, adjust that. That thing. is important. I've heard of other people having similar issues. So you hunt with a 12-gauge, mm-hmm. a semi-auto, 12-gauge. Mm-hmm. Chad hunts with an over-under 20-gauge that's really nice and lightweight, got a sling. That's, I think, the key. Mm-hmm. All I have, shotgun-wise, is a Remington 870, mm-hmm. you know, an old oh. canoe paddle. So you don't need anything, you know, no, there yeah. is no one-rate gun. Yeah. You know, you can go out and get. Rick kill. has
0: more
1: guns in the armory down
0: here. And I will and tell you this: I have. He shoots with an English stock, eight seventy, with yeah. the old English Monte Carlo stock. I have, That's what he I have on, an
1: eight seventy and a twenty gauge that I I've probably I've killed more rabbits with that than any gun I own because that was the gun I got when I was about fourteen or fifteen at Service Merchandise. Mm-hmm. And tell me that ain't a throwback. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you my age here mm-hmm. at Service Merchandise. I got this this Remington eight seventy. I have it to this day. And I, that was, was my favorite rabbit gun. And I've used it and used it and used it for years. That's also the same gun. I told you I had a slug barrel to fit it. I, mm-hmm. I deer hunted with it. I rabbit hunted with it. I, I turkey hunted with it. I did everything with that gun and uh, absolutely loved that gun. You, I only use a uh, over and under right now. Well one I like that I can with an over and under gives you the option to have two different chokes in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got a you have a modified, modified and a full. And a, or a full or a modified uh, and an improved. And yeah. Improved. Whatever you decide you want to shoot, you got two. Yeah. I do like that. And the other thing, I bought a shotgun. If everyone sees it, it's always got that, that double green, green, green barrel on there. People call me all the time, What, what what's up with that the green? fair
2: coated like olive. Yeah. It's it's a really pretty gun. It's got a, like a walnut wood grain stock. It's got know.
1: a walnut wood grain stock, and it's, it's a CZ, and it's called an all-terrain gun. It's mm-hmm. got it's got a sero-coated barrel, so it's made to drag through the brush, which is what I'm doing. But the other thing I really like about it is that it's kind of a dog handler's gun. Mm-hmm. Because when I'm crossing fences, doing all that, a lot of times if I'm not with someone, I can break it open to where it's safe, right? Mm-hmm. But the shells don't fall out yeah it's the weirdest thing ever it's, uh, it's somehow it's magnetized or it holds the shells in when it's open you can flip it upside down so i use that now just because one is pretty light it gives me the option for two chokes and i don't have to worry about crossing a fence with mm-hmm. a unsafe gun i i can literally break it open do whatever i need to do turn it upside down cross the fence two seconds later Put it back down, down, and I'm ready to go. So now,
2: when you say it doesn't eject the shells when you break it open, it does when you shoot them, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the weird thing is that you can break that gun in half and the shells stay in the barrel. Close it up, boom, boom, pull both triggers. Crack when you it break open it open,
1: open they it, they fling out over your shoulder, and then yeah. two more drop them in. Close it. It somehow it it uh, I don't <laughs> know exactly how it works to be totally honest with you, but I know one thing when when the gun recoil goes off when you open the open it up bam shells are out if not you can turn it open and flip it upside down and you literally got to reach in and grab it by the
2: brass and and pull Mm -hmm. pull the rounds out so (laughs) it works great for how i use it one of my favorite rabbit no, I'm like, just being in the field, one of my favorite things to see rabbit hunting, and I've probably only seen this two or three times, is the little kid who's on the rabbit hunt, and he's got the breakdown single shot 410. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I love seeing those little kids out there with their single shot 410s. Mm-hmm. And then my buddy Bobby also, for some reason, decides to rabbit hunt with a bolt action 410. and That's what I've got. <laughs> is it a Mossberg? Yeah, it's like one of those old, just I, a, It belonged to my grandmother. I've so, got it. Solid that was wood. My first, yeah. Solid Double wood, pistol weight, grip, weighs, bolt a, action. Weighs a ton, solid metal base plate. Um, I mean, it's a ridiculous gun, but you, know, know,
1: you can hunt with anything. And you know, the crazy thing is, is that... It's a great squirrel gun. There, there are as many opinions when it comes to the, the perfect load and squirrel gun. Uh, I mean, there's, there's thousands of them because yeah. I, I, I get on some of these... Uh, squirrel? Like shotgun squirrel? I'm sorry, rabbit. Rabbit, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I said, I said squirrel. I meant rabbit. The perfect rabbit gun and the perfect rabbit ammo is completely different depending on where you live in the country and how you were raised hunting them. Because mm-hmm. I will tell you that you'd be surprised at how many people still 22 hunt. Mm-hmm. And they do it because- I was gonna ask you,
0: do you, have you shot them with, ever hunted with I a 22? I have shot
1: them with a 22. I've hunted with people on hunts that have brought 22. Jim Doom mm-hmm. brought a 22 on, and, and took two, two rabbits that day. And, and the reason they do that is because they're patient and a lot of times if you see a rabbit slipping through the woods, if they're out in front of the dogs, they'll stop. Mm-hmm. And if you don't shoot them until they stop, you can, you can take a 22 and just head shoot them. And then when you come to clean them, it's like something you bought at the store. Mm-hmm. You don't have yeah. any, any shot at them at all. I know people that want to shoot um, open or improved cylinders and they're brush, they're brush hunters and sometimes they wanna use uh, seven and a half or eight shot. Sometimes they want to use four shot. It's based on thickness of the mm-hmm. brush. Man. Well, it's based on it's based on one, how, how comfortable and how good of a shot you are with that gun. And secondly, some people don't it, rabbits are pretty easy to kill. They're yeah. thin-skinned animals. I mean, you can kill them with seven and a half shot just mm-hmm. as easy as I you have. can. Pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, hey, I hit more when I'm shooting seven and a half shot. Just the like, same reason you dove hunt mm-hmm. with a seven and a half shot. Some people who are really good shots. They only want one or two pellets in that. So they just soon have four shot. Mm -hmm. So I'm that five to six, Mm -hmm. I have a couple cases of five to six shot that I like to shoot because if you've ever shot one that was hit, just dead solid, especially if it's toward the, (laughs) there's not a lot, not that, not a lot there. Mm -hmm. You mess them up quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So you can hunt, the reason I'm saying this whole story is that it doesn't really matter what you have at home. If you have a 22, a twelve gauge, a 410, six shot, five shot, four shot, seven and a half shot. Mm-hmm. Those somebody that tell you you have the absolute perfect rabbit <laughs> hunting yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you have a if you have a gun and a box a, a box of shells, be it twenty two or or shotgun shells, you have something you can rabbit hunt with. Mm-hmm. Now you got to be very cautious with shooting a twenty two rifle.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you got to make sure you know what's behind you and that you're shooting at something that's stopped and ready to you know ready ready I think to it's make. It's more a, popular out in like. The, the plains and, and uh, out west. He's, I want to do it though.
2: I so. yeah. will. We'll, I'm a rifle guy. Like just mm-hmm. like Chad's been talking about. He's an archer. Mm-hmm. I'm an archer when it comes to deer and a lot of stuff. But when it comes to guns i'm a rifle guy Mm -hmm. and there's just something that make that i want to i want to do things with my 22 i love my 22 it's the funnest gun i have by far i've got two i love them. i've
0: got a 597 my brother gave me remington and i can shoot the sweat off a fly's butt with that
2: (laughs) (laughs) and then i've got a 1022 and it's good but i'm more accurate with that that remington i I have a 1022 and i've had a 597 before Mm -hmm. um i like them both but there's something about the 1022 for me where it's just like it's cool looking. That's just that's the 22. Yeah. It's like yeah. when I think of the epitome of a 22 rifle, it's the Ruger 10/22. Oh yeah. And when I think of the epitome of a deer rifle, it's probably going to be like a Remington 700 or a Winchester mm-hmm. Model 70 or yeah. Winchester 1994, yeah. the old lever action 30 Oh yeah. I mean that's the yeah. classic, right? Mm-hmm. Now I I, I could sit here and talk about guns all day, guys. <laughs> well, a squirrel hunting, I love when the leaves go
0: out, go out with a twenty two. Yeah, that that really is fun. Yeah. I did it on Norm's lease a couple of years ago with some guys with some good
2: treeing feists. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we had a ball. Hunting, by, hunting with dogs and squirrels is fun. I'll say this. Chad, we were just talking about rabbit hunting and uh, obviously looking forward to doing that. But I, I've already taken, since I killed that deer on that Monday we were talking about, Monday, October 30th, I've squirrel hunted four times. I've just... And it hasn't been about getting squirrels. It's just 100% about, been about taking my dog mm-hmm. to do something, you know. And uh, I've been taking my twenty-two every time I've gone. And if I was squirrel hunting today, I would take a shotgun. Yeah. But if I was squirrel hunting a week from now, I would take that twenty-two yeah. Because it's been tough to this point trying to find them. Mm-hmm. And they aren't timbering out or anything. It's just been hard to find them. And the, and the leaf, you know, leaf factor. You know, you know. Interestingly enough, squirrel season's in. there's there's several squirrel
1: seasons in throughout throughout the year here in Kentucky. We don't really cover a whole lot of those with a camera Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, because if you can't see it on, if you can't see it on the Mm -hmm. camera, if you can't see it on your TV when you're watching it because of the leaves, Mm -hmm. it's not really interesting TV. So we only do uh, squirrel hunts really when the leaves fall off. And so, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about all the things I want to do in the next two months. You got deer season, rabbit season's in, leaves are falling off, we need to be doing a squirrel hunt. And, oh, by the way, it's my favorite time of year to smallmouth fish. It's coming up over the next, the next
2: month. Chad, don't forget the coyotes, man. Oh, mm-hmm. and
1: coyotes, the coyotes? <laughs> op- options for coyotes? So, I, I mean, there's so many things. This, this is my favorite time of year. If I could trade July... In August. And mm-hmm. I know all these people who hate the cold weather are like, oh my God, thank God he doesn't get to make this decision. if I could trade July and August, because by then I'm done with summer, right? Yeah, me too. And I could get I could get two more months of December. Oh,
2: oh. I'd take that every time. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, you could <laughs> today we got July and August and November. I don't know.
0: Uh, 80, 81 I walked degrees. out of the building coming down here, I was like, Oh my God. This feels downright balmy. So, so it is, huh? You know? Deer
1: season. I know. You know what? That's why we took advantage of those that, you know, Cold Kentucky, days. That in Kentucky, you're always going to get a potpourri of of mm-hmm. days. It can be summertime in the winter and it can be winter in the summer. But, you know, when we got those couple days in October where you had temperatures in the twenties, man, that was a perfect
2: situation. But you know what? It's going to cool down for for deer season. I'm trying to pull up the weather right now. It's just not loading. I was yeah. wanting to see what this weekend looked like. It's going to be in the 60s. Mm-hmm. So, so I wonder, Do you mm-hmm. think most people know um, that our small game... So deer season comes in this weekend. It's The majority of the state's hunters are going to be out there Saturday and Sunday, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so rabbit season, squirrel season, go out for those two days. And then they come back in the following Monday. So next Monday is really like when everything is in full swing. That's mm-hmm. when you can rabbit hunt statewide. That's when you can squirrel hunt statewide. Mm-hmm. That's when you can deer hunt whenever you want. So next Monday is really like, to me, the, mm-hmm. the kickoff. Cause that's when rabbit season comes in statewide. And I think that our bobcat
1: season comes in close to then. Maybe the next week after that. But I would have to look. It's really close to that time time of year.
2: I'm looking, I'm going to look at Bobcat, November 18th on Bobcat. So it's the next weekend. Yeah, it's the following Saturday. So yeah. we've got, I mean, just as I look at this date here, as, as I'm looking at the chart right now, right? And I'm seeing um, as we go through deer, uh, November 11th, Then I scroll down to small game, November 13, November 13, November 13 for grouse, um, you know, November 18 for Bobcat, November 13 for river otter, muskrat, mink. I mean, it's like within the next week, mm-hmm. um, everything opens up, so I'm looking, I'm, it's full swing. Like if you want, if you like to do things outdoors, after next Monday, mm. go do something outdoors, because oh, you can yeah. pretty much do whatever you want.
1: You know, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about guns and shotguns and opportunities to hunt, you know. Chase, you and I have talked several times, we're talking about this green barrel shotgun I've got. Yep, I could deer hunt with that. Mm. I have turkey hunted with that, I killed a turkey with it. I've killed a limit of doves with that. I've squirrel hunted with it. I rabbit hunted with it. Mm-hmm literally if you have a shotgun mm-hmm. and you're willing to change out some choke tubes especially if you have a shotgun that's got adjustable choke tubes which anything in the last 30 years does that shotgun that I have I have got a, a a separate choke tube I got it's a true lock choke tube and that thing shoots a pattern for turkey it's, it shoots a pattern better than my 12-gauge. Mm-hmm. We,
2: we actually showcased that on the show once, too, if people want to see that. it's a Harold Knight one, where we oh, were yeah. laying down in pattern shotguns. That, mm-hmm. that,
1: that was that shotgun. I forgot about that. Yeah. It was. And this year, I turkey hunted with it. So, I mean, if, you, if you're looking for a gun mm-hmm. and you want to not do, unfortunately, what too many people, new hunters do right now, and that is they jump straight into deer and turkey. Mm-hmm. Get you a 12- or a 20-gauge shotgun, that has adjustable choke tubes, you have a deer gun, you have a turkey gun, mm-hmm. you have a squirrel gun, you have a dove gun, dove gun you have a rabbit gun, waterfowl water gun. Waterfowl gun. You literally have a gun, one gun that you take care of that one gun, change out the choke tubes, buy a couple different boxes of ammo, and you can hunt almost year round. See, for mm-hmm.
0: years, all I had was a a twenty gauge LW Wingmaster. It's LW Magnum. I got one of those. You know? Yeah, I love that one. It's twenty eight inch barrel. Yeah, light. <laughs> Yep. That's all I had. Yeah, I mean, man. I've shot ducks with it. I've shot rabbits with it. I've yep. killed a million doves with yep. it. I've shot at geese with it. Yep. Um, I've killed squirrels with it.
2: A million. <laughs> we're going to have to talk to the feds.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, know. I mean, I've shot a lot of, a <laughs> lot of, a lot, lot of... Man, I, I was lucky back in the day. I used to get a lot of... Dove hunting seemed to be... Man, people used to have a lot more dove hunting. Like yeah, they yeah. get invited to some really nice ones.
2: It's funny to me. You know, we started off earlier, we were talking about mm-hmm. rifle ballistics and, you know, mm-hmm. how, how you actually gained a lot of flexibility out of this rifle by with loads, right? Copper bullets. Well, that goes full circle. Shotgun, you wouldn't have had that whole conversation just now about the 20 gauge being so useful Mm -hmm. if it hadn't been for that tungsten ammo. Mm -hmm. So there have been like recent advancements in ammunition for shotguns and for rifles Mm -hmm. that have really opened it up. And it should eliminate some barriers to entry because right now in your two guns, Chad, Mm -hmm. that 270, Mm -hmm. you've got an excellent coyote gun, Mm -hmm. a deer gun, a bear gun, an elk gun. Mm -hmm. And in your 20 gauge shotgun, you have got doves, waterfowl, um, rabbits, squirrels, uh, turkey. So in two guns, you've got everything you need to hunt everything in the state, and I now mean, you might want to add a twenty two to that collection. But if you had those three things, like you would, you've got everything you need. You have everything, yeah. and it should make it easier for people to get into the outdoors because you need less stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can, and
0: you don't have to have a semi-auto. Nothing wrong with a pump. Pump I mean, teaches you timing too. I mean, I and I'll tell up, you what, duck the first duck doubles with that twenty gauge. Pump. And
1: if you're also wanting a, wanting a gun that you can use in the field, but mm-hmm. you want it for home protection, mm-hmm. there's nothing better than a twenty gauge shotgun. That sound of a that means oh. <laughs> So that is I better get out of the house.
2: Probably not a better deterrent than that sound. So you're saying I should I should unchamber my home defense gun <laughs> so I, I can have a reason to rack it.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> you know, no, I'm just fun. saying I'm just saying that really for for a person that, you know, Christmas is not that far away and there are mm-hmm. people that are considering potentially, I'm sure more shotguns are probably sold in December than any other mm-hmm. month because people are
2: Rappet thinking, "Hey, what
1: uh, what what do I want for Christmas?" mm mm-hmm. Mhm. If it uh, a twenty gauge or a twelve gauge shotgun um, is an excellent, you excellent. You can spend
0: under five hundred dollars and get a quality piece. No, you, you can do it. You,
2: you could probably, I mean, inflation. You could spend under three fifty. I would have said three hundred a few years ago. Yeah. Um, it is funny, you know. I'm sure that Chad. I know Chad's done this before. I don't know about you, Lee, but just like most guys who have a room full of outdoor stuff, I think about, okay, if 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 it hits the fan, what's going with me? <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> And, uh, so I sit there and I look at my, my couple of guns. I don't have a a huge collection, but I've got, you know, a deer rifle, a varmint rifle, a 22, a shotgun, a pistol. And, uh, I sit there and I look at those guns and I'm like, all right, which one goes? And... You know, I'm like, well, the 22 is the most fun, but that that 12 gauge is the most useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like that 12 gauge it can do anything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, the chances of me ever needing that to actually have thought through that situation are pretty slim. But when I sit there and I look at them, I just see the usefulness in the shotgun. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so if, if, if somebody was going to get a first gun, you know, a shotgun really isn't a bad bet. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing is, we talked about loads, but, you know, kind
1: of like you say, full circle. We talked about taking um, one gun and being able to adapt your ammo to your usefulness for it, depending on what you're hunting. With the ammo that's being built now for shotguns Mm -hmm. and the way that shotguns are being built, I mean, it's it's more than just, you can literally go from steel that's being really, Mm -hmm. really, really light Mm -hmm. for, and there's rubber loads too. Mm -hmm. You can literally take a shotgun and go from, very 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 light loads for dove, and go all the way to tungsten and heavy loads, and and you can coyote hunt, you can turkey hunt. Yep. It's a, it's amazing to me. Goose hunt. Goose you hunt. throw a
2: slug in there, and you can go deer you,
1: hunt. Do, you can deer hunt. So it's uh, it's amazing. The same thing about matching your your load that we mm-hmm. it started this whole segment with. Matching your load for your, your game. You can also do the same thing with a shotgun and spread. Your range from small game
2: to deer. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it is it, it is interesting. And I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what happens 10 more years down the road. You know, because all the tungsten, the, mm-hmm. the copper. I Bismuth. Mean, all of that is fairly recent, you know? Yeah. I mean, when did they start doing the copper, do you know? Well, I think it started back uh, to, with very
1: limited success for, for rifle projectiles in the 90s, yeah. 80s or 90s. So it's been
2: perfected in the past 10 or 15 or so. And
1: now... Yeah, I think that everyone kind of said, "Oh, they're expensive." They're all all the reasons that they, that they didn't want to do it. That a lot of the manufacturers kind of stayed out of the game until all of a sudden they started becoming very, very effective. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, then you started seeing it wasn't just Barnes anymore. You saw multiple mm-hmm. people jump into the business and say, "Wait a minute." we also need a, a a solid copper round because these things are not only are they being mandated by some states mm-hmm. they're also very lethal mm-hmm. they're the terminal the terminal, terminal ballistics of these is
2: pretty oppressive mm-hmm. <laughs> well i'll tell you um, I'm looking forward to just getting into that myself, the reloading, trying it out next year, building some loads. It seems like something that I probably just enjoy, yeah. you know, building some loads and going to the range and testing them and seeing what works best. If you're a pistol shooter, it's the best. Mm-hmm. You know, my brother, I mean, I always keep my
0: uh, 38s. I've got 357 Magnum, which mm-hmm. the, those the rounds have gotten just outrageously expensive. and mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. reload your own, but he put a wide cutter on my 38 with my. I've got an old Colt Trooper MK3, <laughs> uh, 357 Magnum. Um, can you shoot
2: the sweat off of Fly's butt? Yeah, right? I mean
0: it's it, especially with a wide cutter. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Uh, just a plain old thirty eight wide cutter. Man, the, the wide cutter is the most accurate of all of them. I and mean, he just experimented. He was yeah. using a round nose, he's using this, he's using that. Let's try his wide cutters. Little recoil. And man, I shot my best groups. Yeah. With those wide cutters. So, you know, experiment. And when when one thing I found with the 22, like we'll get out, say CCI standard velocity, and we'll get out the velocity. We'll get out another brand, another brand you will not believe the variation. Oh yeah. And like that standard velocity in that 597, that's the one I could shoot the sweat off a a fly's butt with. Have you tried this? Well, well, I mean, my groups are the (laughs) best I've ever been with standard velocity, that particular gun is the only round i'll shoot
2: you know it's funny i used to shoot competitively right Mm -hmm. and in high school when i would shoot you know we'd have practice every day two hours after school and we'd all be up there and we'd have a shooting lane we'd be shooting our coach would be back in the back and he'd have a spotting scope and basically you were just going through your motions but if a fly landed on your target the rule was you had to call it out fly shot and then all, everybody stopped what they were doing, and everybody <laughs> watched watched your target. And you would better hit that fly. <laughs> <laughs> so so back, back in the day, that was one of the but things. That would be cool. You know, and it happened pretty rarely. But, I mean, occasionally a fly would land on that target, and you always got excited to call it out. So I will say that I don't know if I hit the sweat on its butt or not, but I've hit my flies before. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. We did that. That was one of our shooting things. And then probably the most useful shooting exercise we did well, I mean, there's a bunch of useful ones. I would encourage people to learn about natural point of aim and things, but there was one that was fun that was called a call your shot, right? And so we would get up there, five shooters, whoever the five are, on the line, and we would all get rid of our our spotting scopes. And the coach would be sitting back in the back with his spotting scope, and we would go down the line one at a time. First person, shoot a shot, and you got to call your shot. So you're standing, standing position. I shot a nine at two o'clock. Well, if you knew it was a nine, why'd you shoot it? You know, he's back there looking. If you were right, it sure was a nine at two o'clock. Why'd you pull the trigger? If you saw a nine at two o'clock, why'd you do that? You know what I mean? And then if you said, oh, I shot a 10 down the middle and it wasn't a 10 down the middle, he was... you can't see what's going on up there can you You have no idea so it was just Uh, a way to you either did it right or you were getting in trouble every time but it was Uh, fun mm -hmm. you know and it made you really know what you were shooting and i don't know how somebody could replicate that for hunting needs you know because most rifles have scopes and stuff now but
1: something i completely don't is funny shooting because i told you i'm an archer i have a very 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 close friend of mine we've been close friends since we were really really young and uh what we used to do with a bow and arrow, we'd get a big target out there, and we would get out to about thirty yards. and And I'll tell you this: I was a much better shot back
2: then. <laughs> what much is, what better is
1: Tell me why. Because I shot. I had better eyes. First. <laughs> yes, <laughs> better eyes. And we shot all the time, mm-hmm. all the time, constantly. We shot, and arrows were pretty cheap back then. Mm-hmm. They were two fifty three bucks a piece. Now, you know, solid solid, solid carbon arrows, mm-hmm. you're looking at. You know, you're spending. 12 bucks for an arrow to get it yeah.
2: out the door. I mean, your average arrow is probably 80 bucks for six. So yeah, yeah I'd say right around there.
1: Yeah, so we would, uh, we would go out there and we, we would shoot and shoot and shoot. and We would compete against each other. And he was a good shot too. We would, we would always have fun. So at the end of the day when the practice is over, you are like, all right, so who's gonna go first? And, you know, you rock, paper, scissors, then you're like, all right, dang it, I guess I gotta go first. So you'd shoot out there. Mm-hmm. And then he had, he'd get uh, one shot to try to break my arrow shoot the holes through the fletchings. We re-fletch them, mm-hmm. but every now and then it would literally just destroy mm-hmm. you. You're like, all right, your turn. You'd shoot one out there and we'd <laughs> practice trying to destroy each other's arrows. But that's when you have more money than cents. You know, you, you, you <laughs> live at home. home. You, you had, you no had mortgage. A summertime job and three bucks didn't sound like a bad deal, mm-hmm. but we would go back and forth trying to shoot each other's arrows out in the backyard. <laughs> so, Jared, if you're listening, bring your arrows over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm up. It's time for me to shoot yeah. your arrows. <laughs> our, our
0: co-worker, Rachel, best with my boss. <laughs> Did you hear about that? No. They were shooting together at a meeting here a while back. You were at that meeting. Well, and he was shooting really perfect groups.
1: Yeah.
0: Rachel shot his target like way up tall, <laughs> like, and he pulled his gun's like, where'd that flyer come from? He was, like, oh. looking at his gun. So she was the, drawing he, back,
1: saying, that no, he was no, drawing no, back, but he were shooting, yeah,
0: No, no, they were shooting rifles together. Oh. And then he had beautiful groups It was just hitting everything. Oh, oh yeah. shot one, like, way high to the right. <laughs> he was like, what the wrong, what the hell's wrong with mine? <laughs> so, so, so they were like, different They were different She was in <laughs> his lane over you there. Know, like, that, sounds, John has got it. that sounds like, like random. And he'd stop, he'd look at it like, man, what is up with that? <laughs> I'd let it go for a while, that she'd shoot oh it up. Like, Why is he shooting these random? And <laughs> she started laughing and he found out uh, so that was a good one Rachel she's funny that's funny No, I know Dave takes pride in the shooting too oh he man he practices a lot he goes to the
2: range a lot yeah, <laughs> he was probably fired up oh,
1: that's funny <laughs> uh, that's good stuff and it's been a blast I, n- hey I don't get in here and do this enough but uh, this has been great and the timing is perfect because there's so many opportunities mm-hmm. Lee next time we gotta talk fishing
2: thank you so, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that I want Lee on a, <laughs> I want to see Lee Lee hunt all right, fun. Fun. Well, I love go rabbit hunting. That'd be fun. For fun or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? At some point um and go down around Bargetown and find a property and run some beagles around there. That'd it. be great. No, it would be. I just think it'd be fun to get out in the field with Lee and, <laughs> and see him behind a behind a pack of beagles. And, okay,
0: I'd, I'd love to. I've never hunted on show. I've only fished.
2: <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, now we were going to do a
0: dove hunt one time with back and with Norm and Farmer and I. Okay, but it, it fell through. Okay, we that was a long, long time ago. Yeah, but sometimes mm. unfortunately our hunts do fall through. That yeah, was just you know one of them things.
2: Well, let's line it up for sometime soon, Lee. Do you got anything that we didn't get to? That well, I was going to say. Man, what's going on at Dale? But he's already answered it. So it's probably a little funky right now. The fishing—that's just—I have no idea, I have no info. But i just based on the weather, I would think that any it would segments
0: be... this year just stood out to you. That just like, wow, this is um, interesting. This was fascinating. This
1: was—you know, for me—it's um, kind of probably hard to think back through all of well, them. it. Well, it's, it's—it's interesting. I'm—I'm I'm kind of thinking through some of the stuff we did. I caught a sturgeon. I've never done that mm-hmm. before. We went out with some biologists and learned mm-hmm. a lot about sturgeon. Very interesting fish. So that was that was Did it, it pull like crazy? It, it fought pretty good, but now I was right right below Wolf Creek Dam where everything I mean the mm-hmm. uh, aluminum can pull is really good yeah. because it, you got that much <laughs> flow of water <laughs> on the <pretty.
2: laughs>
1: So so uh it, it fought pretty good. But that was just interesting seeing those fish and thinking, man, these <laughs> these things are out here. So that was cool. First of something's always cool. The other thing I thought was really cool this year is uh you know, I went to a county that I don't think I had ever hunted before, and went with a good friend who I've done a lot of crappie fishing with, Chris Mann. Mm-hmm. And man, I realized how beautiful some parts of the state that I just haven't been to. How are you talking about turkey? Menifee County mm-hmm. on that turkey hunt. We had turkeys all around mm-hmm. us. We 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 had more lucky turkeys than that <laughs> on that couple days. Uh, what didn't show is how many turkeys we had in range that ended up not being shot because. We didn't get the right camera angle. We just did everything; just didn't line up to pull the trigger. But I'll tell you one thing: I enjoyed hunting down there in Menifee County for that tur- this year's turkey hunt. And it took a little effort because it's not a it's not a five minute drive from the house. We're driving an hour and a half, and you're mm-hmm. getting started at four in the morning. But that really stood out because, and we ended up doubling at the end. So, hey, how, does it get any better than that on no. turkey hunt? You, you get a double after three days of pursuing turkeys and saw some beautiful terrain. That, that kind of really
2: stood out this year as just being a really unique opportunity. Yeah, those are, I, I would agree both of those are cool. I was struck by the uh, scenery in the turkey hunt. I wasn't on that segment, but I thought it was beautiful. It was mm-hmm. some just of the, outstanding. Some yeah. of the drone shots and some of the big booming shots, like even just with the regular camera, on your all setups, you yeah. were seeing a mile. Yeah, You know, mm-hmm. so that I thought that was was really cool. I was on the sturgeon one. I, I just like Wolf Creek Dam. I think anything you do below Wolf mm-hmm. Creek is cool, but seeing the sturgeon. Did y'all
0: throw, how big a weight was that?
2: Oh, gosh, we were throwing a big weight that day. Mm-hmm. I'm wanting to say we had eight ounces on that rod. That's what I thought. Yeah, it I was, was like,
0: man, what, what, does what, that like
2: extra, extra heavy? I mean. No, I'm wanting to say that that day we were throwing six ounces out there and it was rolling. I think yeah. that the rod that we finally got to stick had eight ounces on it. <laughs>
0: but How do you find a rod that can throw it? Was an ocean
2: going? Go, go, to, the, go a to the musky uh, rod. Or I, I think we were throwing a musky rod. And you asked
1: me how well, how well it fought. I mean, you could. Mad, we talk about matching your ammo. Well, mm-hmm. matching your fishing tackle to, to what throw you're fishing. Eight ounces, for. I just said it's beyond it, my belief. Yeah. And you know, if you want to have fun fishing, you, you really don't want to take a catfish rod and catch a bluegill, right? Yeah, there's not a whole lot of fun with that. Mm-hmm. Match your tackle to make it more exciting. Well, we had to take we had to take uh it seemed like it was either a musky rod or it may have been my it may have been my A rig rod for bass fishing mm-hmm. that I'm used well. to throwing a lot of weight mm-hmm. and you just flip it out there and and you gotta then it'll bounce and move a little bit until it finally stops. And you hope that that stops not you being hung up. You yeah, hope know it's just
2: finally your weight settled in. And that's But I'll you be, know what? I'll be honest with you, Chad. That day <clears throat> we took Three rods, right? Yeah, we took your a rig, a rig rod, like you were talking about. We mm-hmm. took a musky rod, and then mm-hmm. we took took a third rod. Oh, it was your one of your rods, wasn't it? It was the super heavy one because even with the musky rod and the A-R- a rig, I don't know why I can't say it. Alabama rig rod. <laughs> we uh, we couldn't get it to stick. Yeah. So and he, he could have caught that sturgeon with one of his bash rods. Yeah. Um, it would have been a heck of a fight, but he could have done it. If we didn't have to get eight ounces to stick to the bottom, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, so the fight probably wasn't as good as it could have been because you were using the biggest rod we had because yeah. it's the only thing we could throw half a pound of lead. No, <laughs> right? oh,
0: yeah,
2: eight ounces just yeah, beyond it's, belief. Oh, it's, it's annoying, man. When you know, like just like fishing the falls of the Ohio or something, mm-hmm. you know. When you start rolling down the the, the river, all you're going to do is get snagged. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. You're basically just sacrificing that. So yeah, you me-
1: don't want it moving that much. Once you kind of you know where you want to make a cast, you don't want it to roll too much because the more it rolls, the more chances you're going to end up. More and it's going to be goodbye, starting over. And you know what? You're throwing pretty heavy line, so breaking it off. So breaking pain. it off is not super easy either. Matter of fact, I think all of them had braid on them, onto down to. Uh,
2: a weight and a liter with mono, I believe is what we had. That's the important thing too, is using that braid and heavy current. Because I don't know if that rod would have stuck with eight ounces if we wouldn't have had braid. Yeah. Because if we were throwing mono or fluoro, it might have grabbed just just that much more yeah. water resistance and and tumble down, you know? Yeah. So I think braid in that situation helps. Um, but those were fun we've got We've got several good things planned though i mean we oh, there's some potential for us to be right hunting, like maybe tomorrow I'm yeah not, oh not. yeah
1: we're we're looking to get out I will tell you this, you know how much the deer really, really like these colder temperatures? Mm-hmm. Well, me as a rabbit hunter. It's hard to go out there and rabbit hunt in seventy degree weather because you want to wear yeah. long sleeve pants and briar proof yeah. stuff. To, look at my hands; you can tell what I've been doing. It's I got like, I'm gonna proof. Seventy
0: two degrees; we could They wouldn't fly. And, and let me tell you this: the dogs were exhausted. They were even. Right where, i was going say
1: even worse than on me. It's it's really, really hard, hard on, on your the dogs. dogs. Yeah. It's hard on your dogs, man. Those dogs, they don't know. Oh, I, I'm I'm getting hot. I'm overheating. You. You really, that's why a lot of people who train dogs throughout the summertime, first off, they have summer coats. Mm-hmm. They have less hair on them because they have their summertime coats. And two, they run them at night. Mm-hmm. They take them out and they run those dogs and, and they keep those dogs in shape and keep them using their nose. Because at nighttime, they're not trying to run by sight. They're So it's, it's a good exercise mm-hmm. to do. But by this time of year, we've had some cold days. Dogs, coats have thickened up. And all of a sudden, you're taking them out on a 70 degree day. Man, it kills. Man, them. oh, it, you got to be very, very and careful.
2: And then they lose all scent. You know, because you know, they're breathing out of their mouth and they're hot yeah. and they, they can't detect anything. It is wild to me. Chad said that it's hard on the dogs, right? Some people might be like, well, that's mean. Why you do it to them? Well, you have to pull that dog back. Oh, man. Right. I mean, I mean they. Shake with
1: anticipation. They can't oh,
2: wait to do it. You yeah. have to do what's right for them. It's like you no. Know, when I say it's hard on the dog, like I have to keep the dog from mm-hmm. keeping going. I got a choice keep the, to be, be mentally hard
1: yeah. on the dog and not let it run, or physically hard on the dog and let it run. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> That's got, the two
2: choices I have. Those, those dogs want to hunt so bad that you're you having, having to look out for them. They're but, just sitting, there, oh, oh, shaking. Yeah. yeah. I, oh yeah. I love it. Oh, come
1: on, let and me go. I can't Dad. tell you how let many go. times I and I really keep up with how much my dog runs. And, you know, and I know that at the beginning of the year I can put, you know, I have four-year-old dogs, so they're in pretty good shape. Mm -hmm. They stay in good shape. I know I can put seven, eight miles on them at the beginning of the year. By the end of the year, by the end of the season, 20-mile days are possible. And at 20 miles, they will not come to you if they think that it's the end of the hunt. I mean, they'll come up to you and they'll kind of like, don't pick me up. Please don't make this Mm -hmm. be the end. I'll run them home, get ready to feed them and water them. By then the lactic acids build up. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I got to pick yeah. them up from the, mm-hmm. pick them up out of the thing and rub on them and love on them and let them eat. And then you know the next day or so they're pretty good. The, but the, the, yeah. they don't want to stop. Sometimes they'll sleep
0: all the next day. If you I think they run
1: on. forty miles mm-hmm. if, yeah, if you let them. If you let them, they they just don't want to stop. That's why people are like, oh, I can't believe you make this dog do this. No, well, I they, don't, they don't. I make give it. them the opportunity to do it. And this is what they absolutely love. They're bred for it. Your dog would make you do it if it could.
2: (laughs) I mean, they try. I mean, I'm sure your dogs, I mean, if you grab your hunting stuff, say you grab, say we were going quail hunt tomorrow Mm -hmm. somewhere, and you were to grab that shotgun. Mm-hmm. Would your dogs, like, try to make you go bred behind? Oh, heck yeah.
1: They know when I walk out there early and I've got on my briar-proof pants and a little bit of hunter's orange. I mean, when they <laughs> when they come to the door of that thing, their tails are wagging so hard that it looks like their rear end's coming off the ground. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And they're just... Making a whole body weight. Their whole face is moving and they're just, like, so excited yeah. that they can't stand it. That's, <laughs> Those dogs are 100% bred to do exactly what they do. And they wish the season was that was year long and they were free to go chase mm-hmm. rabbits. The problem is, is that they're pretty effective at it. Mm-hmm. And if you let them out during times where rabbits were having an offspring, mm-hmm. it could be bad. So I try yeah. to keep my dogs you know, away from rabbits
2: during the breeding season for rabbits because they'd find them. Okay. Yeah. We were talking about earlier home defense guns and I mentioned my 12 gauge, right? Being over there in the corner. And if somebody ever does break into my house, my dog's going to be so excited. Because <laughs> as soon as I grab that shotgun, he's probably going to run through their legs and out the door,
1: <laughs> Trying
2: to get in the truck. I'm like, out of here. Yeah. Uh, Daddy's seen me hunting. Yeah, that's what he's going to think. Well, guys, I say we call it quits. I could use some lunch personally. Me too. Um, if you want to see Chad's on it'll be on this weekend show. You got to watch it, Chad, before yeah. you leave here today. I know. I, I have you've seen the produced version yet. I haven't seen the final version. What? I,
1: that's 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 the thing. I, uh, I I usually get to see them, but uh, this is one that's getting ready to come up, and I haven't even seen it
2: yet. Well, let's go watch it right now. What do you say?
1: Hey, it sounds good. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. And uh, anytime, I'm, brother. Hopefully, it we'll talk be, fishing next time. Won't be so long. We'll we'll do it again. Yeah, Lee, we need to get you out in the field. I totally uh, agree. And then uh, we need to get you. Uh, we need to get you out on the boat too.
0: Uh, I'm I'm good with that. See, my favorite segment this year was Russell Creek, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, I forgot to mention
0: <laughs> <laughs> I right. forgot
2: that was a piece that I did with Lee. <laughs> hey, by far the most fun and interesting segment of the year. All right, guys. Oh, that, that was, guys. was fun. I appreciate you coming by.